Well, good morning. How are you feeling today? Feeling good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to welcome those of you joining us in here as well as those of you joining us over in Overflow. We are so excited you chose to be here with us today. Whatever got you, whatever brought you here, we're just glad that you chose to be here. I want to invite you back today to something else here at 1.30 called DNA Class. It's who we are and what we do and why we do what we do. It's our mission, vision, and values. And so I do want to invite you back for that. We do offer childcare and snacks. So if nothing else, come for the childcare and snacks, right? Uh, give, give you this much, okay? What if you just came and dropped your kids off, took our snacks, and left. <laughs> Free date. Try it. See what happens. Okay. Uh, also want to remind you, uh, next week is Super Bowl Sunday. Who's excited about the Super Bowl? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so with that, in case you do have people come into your house or in case you're going somewhere, I want to invite this service and the next service, the 11 o'clock as well, uh, that we do offer services on Thursday as well as 8 a.m. in case you've got some plans you've got to be at shortly thereafter. And so I want to invite you back next week for 8 or uh, Thursday night. Just a thought. Just throwing that out there for you. Hey, we're jumping back into this series called The Games That We Play. And, and as we jump in, I just kind of want to tell you a story just, just to get us right off the bat, all right? I heard about a man. He was walking along the beach. And as he's walking along this beach, he's marveling all of God's creation, and he's talking to God, and then the heavens open up, and God looks down at him, and God says, hey, you've been so faithful to me that I'm willing to grant you one request. What is it that you really want? And the guy thought about it for a moment. He said, you know, I really love the, the beach here, and uh, you know, I, here's the deal. I really love Hawaii, and so God, if you could actually make a bridge from my house all the way to Hawaii, that would just be spectacular. God thought about it for a moment, and God went, well, that's, that's a good idea, but I've made the mountains, and I've made the seas, and I've made all of these things, and I, I, nothing is, is beyond me. I can create anything I want, but you got to understand that's a lot of cement all the way down to the bottom of the ocean in order to make the bridge, and so I, I, is there anything else you want? And the guy thought about it for a moment. He said, you know what I really want is I want to understand how women think. If you could just tell me, God, like when I'm getting the silent treatment or, or when, you know, when I, I just wanted to understand, how do women think? And God said, do you want that bridge four lanes or two? <laughs> now, just so everybody's on the same page here, let, let me ask you this one. How many guys does it take to change a roll of toilet paper? We don't know. It's never been done. The premise of this series has been that we have a hard time understanding each other. And not just in the spousal relationship, but in every relationship, we have a hard time understanding communication. Whether that's a text form or whether that's a face-to-face, -face, whatever it might be, we have a hard time understanding people. And so because of that, we've been walking through the last four weeks some games that we play. We've talked about the change game, and we've talked about the blame game, we've talked about the comparison game, and today we get to talk about the mind game, the mind game. And what's funny about the mind game is this past week I was, I was searching around on somebody's Facebook. I do this occasionally where I Facebook stalk somebody. And I found a couple quotes from Twitter that I would love to share with you today about the mind game. And so let's just read them together uh, right here. So here we go. First one is this. Here we go. My wife can spot me dropping a single crumb anywhere in our house from 50 feet away, but her car looks like a Starbucks exploded inside of it. <laughs> Anybody living that dream? Anybody living that dream? Yeah. Anglin, I see you right there. Okay. Next one. My husband unloaded the dishwasher, so I guess now it's time to have a parade for him. <laughs> Anybody living that dream, ladies? Yeah. I love that he's got his arms crossed right now. This is great, great body language. Here we go. Next one. Next one. My wife wants to buy an organizer for our wrapping paper. It sounds made up, but it's making her happy. 
I, uh, I talked to a staff member this week. I was showing him this, and, and uh, he'll remain nameless, Tyler. And uh, he said, he goes, my wife actually wants one of those. I'm like, props to you, buddy. I have no idea what that is. All right, next one. Next one. Here we go. This is my house, okay? Me, boiling water, wife. No, not like that. Anything besides on the grill, my wife has like, you're cooking wrong. Next one. This, this is my house, okay? And this isn't just marriage. This is my kids and my dog. Even my, my goldfish get in the way. Here we go. Marriage is just your spouse perpetually standing in front of the kitchen drawer or cabinet that you need to open. That is my house. Anybody else living that dream in here? Anybody else? I talked to somebody earlier. They, they left the earlier service today, and they were telling me, they're like, it doesn't matter where he is or where she is. We're constantly in each other's way. That, that's just the way it is. And I think a lot of times that's the case when it comes to relationships, that oftentimes we get in each other's way based on the mind games that we have. Now, this series has been for anybody. It's been for a single person. It's been for a married person. It's been for a kid. It's been for those who have kids. It's been for every single person in this room. Let me, let me throw out a few options for you, all right? Some of you, you're newly married, and everything about your dating relationship was perfect. And then you got married, and the wedding was off the charts. Doves were released. Celine Dion sang. It was a whole thing, right? And now you're here and you're living in an apartment and the bills are coming in and they keep coming in and they keep coming in. And the person that you thought you married was perfect, but then come to find out like they don't do the toothpaste thing right. So you had to get two separate toothpaste and it just became really, really complicated. Some of you are dating and you're trying to define the relationship. What does this look like as we try to navigate through what the next step is in our relationship? And if you were to be asked, hey, tell me about your relationship, you might say, well, you know what? It's kind of complicated. Some of you have kids, and as your kids get older, you're discovering that they, too, have a mind of their own, right? It usually starts about six months in, right, that they have a mind of their own. And as they get older, they get a little bit more demanding, and then sometimes they don't really make a lot of sense. Did you know that a middle schooler, this is true, true facts, okay? Did you know that a middle schooler in their middle school years loses a third of their cerebral cortex, so when you think they've lost their mind, the truth is they actually have. And so if you were to talk about your relationship with your kids, you might say, you know what, it's kind of complicated. For some of you, this happens at work. You thought you were on the fast track to some promotion. You thought you were going to get that next job. And then somebody comes in and gets chummy with the boss. And you're realizing that maybe you just needed to get chummy with the boss as well. And so if you were asked, how's your relationship with your boss? You might say, well, it's kind of complicated. Some of you have aging parents. And you've now made that switch between where you were the kid and now you're kind of the parent. And if you were asked, hey, how's your relationship with your parents? You might say, well, it's kind of complicated. Some of you are students and you're rapidly approaching the next years of your life. And you get asked the question all the time, what are you going to do? And there's so many options right now, right? There's go to college. There's serve in the military. There's go to trade school. There's travel with your friends. There's start up a business. And if you were asked, hey, hey, tell me about all these relationships that would lead you to this, you might say, well, it's kind of complicated. See, if we're truly honest with ourselves, most of the relationships that we find ourselves in are complicated. And the reason they're complicated is because we actually complicate them. And so the premise of this series is to look and see how we can stop playing the games to complicate the relationships that we find ourselves in. And so today we're going to be looking at the mind game. Let me define for you what the mind game is, just so we're all on the same page right off the bat. It's this. A mind game is when someone uses a strategy to influence someone else. 
when someone uses a strategy to influence someone else. And I think there are really, there's more than three, but today I'm going to give you three strategies that we use, and then we're going to talk about how we can combat those strategies. And I promise you, because some of you are like, we've gotten pretty far, and we haven't gotten into the Bible yet. We will, okay? Just, just making sure you're all on the same page. We will get to the Bible. But three strategies. First one is this. We convince. We convince. We use that strategy to influence somebody else. We convince them, hey, what you're doing, it's wrong. How do I know it's wrong? Because my mom did it this way and my mom was always right. Or there's this thought process of, you know what, it's an irrational thought process and you can kind of convince them that it's irrational. You can convince them by saying, you know what, everyone agrees with me. That's the first one. The second one was you convict them. We convict them. I don't want to be critical, but... You know, the way you did that last time, it was wrong, so let me help you this time. Or we convict them by saying, you know what, it's all your fault. The reason we're here is because it's all your fault. Or you started it, or you always, or you never. Stop playing the victim. We convict them. Third one is this, we control them. I'm going to hold this over you and tell you, if you don't, then I will. If you loved me, you wouldn't. It's my way or the highway. We convince, we convict, and we control and the problem is, is that in this way of life, there's a clear winner and a clear loser. And the winner thinks the relationship's going great, right? The winner's thinking, you know what? Everything's working out in my way. Everything's working out in my favor. This is all good. And the winner thinks that all is well. But the problem with this is we begin to dial up all sorts of assumptions about the other person in our life, whether that's a spouse, whether that's you know, a friend, whether that's a coworker, whether that's a kid. We begin to dial up all sorts of assumptions about the other person when we start to use these strategies. And you know what happens when we assume something about someone else, right? You'll have to tell me later. I don't know what that is. But we're all different. We're all different. Every single person in this room are different. And the reason that we get in the mind game, the reason we start to play the mind game, the reason we we really focus on the mind game is because we are so different. In fact, let me play this out for you. I think there are really four ways that we're different. And you're going to all play along, all all of us over and overflow as well. We're all going to play along here, all right? First way is this. We're either an initiator or we're a responder. An initiator or a responder. An initiator is someone who charges ahead. They're focused on what they're trying to do. They're focused on what is next. Well, a responder kind of sits back and lets life come to them. Whatever happens, happens, and we'll respond in that way. How many of you in this room and over and overflow would say that you are our initiator by hands? Initiators? Responders? Who didn't play? Most of you. Let's try this again, all right? Initiators? There we go. Now we're playing. Responders? Okay, there we go. And the initiators in the room are going, what's next? You said there was four. Let's go, okay? I'm an initiator. Next one. Extrovert or introvert? An extrovert or an introvert? An extrovert, you walk into a coffee shop and you see a table of four with about eight people seated around it looking at pictures and talking about life. An introvert is in that same coffee shop seated against the wall over here with earbuds in listening to the conversation that they're having over here. His name is Dan. He's an introvert. Extroverts in the room, introverts, okay, thinker or feeler, thinker or feeler. The thinker, they're always thinking things through. They're always fair. They think about feelings. They just don't have any, okay? I'm a thinker. I can say that. Feelers, feelers go with their guts. They take feelings over logic. How many of you would say you're a thinker in the room? Thinkers, feelers. I love watching couples sitting side by side, and they are so different. Last one. Structured or unstructured? 
This is where the arguments happen. Unstructured gets frustrated when there's policies and procedures and rules. Structured folks, on the other hand, they keep the time management industry afloat, right? They love to come up with new processes, and they love to be more efficient. How many of you are unstructured? Unstructured? Okay. And structured. You know what the problem is with this list? Here's the problem with this list. These people over here marry these people over here. These people over here have kids with these people over here, and those kids get messed up. <laughs> these people hire these people, and they wonder why there's conflict. These people work with these people, and they wonder why there's conflict. These people are friends with these people, and they wonder why there's conflict. See, that's what happens when someone says something. You begin to read between the lines. When someone sends a text, you begin to read through the lines because we are all so different. And then in our mind, we begin playing this mind game out of, I wonder what they meant by that. I wonder why they didn't respond to that. I wonder what's going on really. And in fact, it's really all just kind of complicated, isn't it? Because God made us and wired us so differently, we begin to play this mind game out. Let me give you a few examples of this. Let's say for a second that I'm on my couch. It's a Saturday. It's my day off. I'm on my couch. It's summertime, and my wife comes in and says, hey, honey, are you going to mow today? Immediately, my mind goes all sorts of ways, right? Gentlemen, you can probably go, it's a trap, right? It is. Because if she asks me, are you going to mow today? Immediately, my mind goes to, well, you just don't think that I contribute around here. Do you know how hard I work? Do you know what I did this week? Do you understand what I'm going through? I just want to sit here and I just want to watch the Cubs play. I just want to sit here and I just want to read this article. And sometime I'll get to mowing, but right now I just want to sit here and enjoy my day off. See how fast my mind went somewhere? Perhaps she's asking me, are you going to mow today? Not because she's trying to get on to me. Perhaps she's asking me, are you going to mow today? Because she's got a family day planned and she wants to make sure that I get that done quick enough so that we can actually do what we have planned for the day. Hmm. Or what? What if she's instead planning a surprise party for me? And she just needs me to get out of the house so she can call all my friends. Surprise. Let's play another one out. Let's say for a second that you've been tasked with a project at work. And you and your boss, you have a pretty good relationship. And you've been tasked with this job. You've been tasked with this uh, presentation. You've been tasked with something in your job. And your, your boss comes in day of presentation or day of marketing or day of whatever that might be and says, hey, listen, I want to see what you've got. Can you give me your pitch? Can you give me your presentation? Can you show me the product that you've been working on? Can you show me this? And immediately our mind can go all sorts of ways, right? Well, he or she, they just don't trust me. They just don't understand how hard I've been working on this. And they're going to come in and they're going to change things the last minute of the, of the presentation. They're going to change things the last minute of this pitch. They're going to change things right now. They don't understand all the work that I've put into this. See how fast our mind can go somewhere? What if instead your boss, he or she, is just coming in to give you support? Just coming in because they want the company to succeed or better yet, want you to succeed. One more. Let's say for a second that you send a text to a friend. You send a text to a friend, and you can see that they've read the text because your phone actually tells you that they've read the text. But they haven't responded yet. The 
friendship must be over, right? See how fast we can go somewhere when maybe they were just doing something else. Maybe they didn't think it warranted a response. We are so quick to assume about other people and allow our minds to begin to play something. I think it's a lot like this game. Remember this game? Battleship. Anybody remember this game? One of my favorite games to ever play as a kid. I loved this game. The object behind this game is that I'm going to hide and then I'm going to attack when I feel like I'm getting attacked. That's the mind game. I'm going to hide my vulnerability up to a point. And then the moment that you shoot at me, the moment that you try to sink my battleship, well, then I'm going to come at you with everything that I've got. That is, in fact, the mind game. It's hiding and attacking. And if you've ever been frustrated by this, You'll begin to read books about it. You might even talk to your friends about it. You might even talk to your parents about it. You might go to seminars or, or marriage weekends or marriage retreats. In fact, we've got one coming up very shortly. I want to invite you to that. It's our marriage weekend. It's going to be an incredible opportunity where we continue to talk through these types of things. And some of you are looking at it going, marriage weekend, that's one day. I don't fully get that. Trust me, there's some thought behind this. We're going to give you some homework on Friday night once you register. So trust me, it is a full weekend. But we do these things, and we realize that a lot of times what we've done is we've just kind of pooled our ignorance together. But Scripture gives us a different way. He finally is getting to Scripture, right? <laughs> scripture gives us a different way. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 2, we're going to walk through what Paul says about how we ought to be living our relationships. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Hit time out for a second. Saying, I've been watching everybody else and the way that they're living, they're just copying each other and nobody's getting it right. Here's the crazy part about this. This was written 2,000 years ago. How true is it today still that we're just copying the behaviors of what our parents did? We're just copying the behaviors of what we see. We're just copying the behaviors of our neighbors. We're just copying the behaviors of other people. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Instead, check this out. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me kind of tell you where we're headed today. We've got about 15 more minutes together as a, as a body of people. Let me just tell you, in case you need to leave, in case your number gets put behind me, you can go pick up your kids. Here's the takeaway for the day. Be selfish. How many of you woke up this morning thinking that's what we're going to talk about today in church? You're going to tell me to be selfish? Heck yeah. So that fight that I was in in the car on the way to church today, I win because I'm selfish, right? I'm going to tell you to be selfish today, and I'll explain that a little bit later on. And so if you have to leave early, well, you're missing out on that. Paul's saying, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing that people are copying the behaviors of other people. But instead, let's, let's not do that. Let's let God transform us. And so today what I want to do is I want to give us four ways that we can combat against this mind game. That when we begin playing the mind game in our own head, how we can combat against that. Number one is this, that we would act and not react. See, some of us knows what happens when things don't go our way, right? We just boil up in anger and we get so upset and we begin speaking out to other people. We begin yelling and exploding. For others of us, we don't explode. For others of us, we shut down. We just, we just zip it up and say, you know what? I'm just not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to shut down completely. I heard about this couple. They both kind of lived the shutdown life. They were living the, the silent treatment game out. And you know how the silent treatment game works, right? It works where the first person that speaks loses the game. That's how the silent treatment works, okay? 
Marriage Counseling 101. And so uh, they, they're in the silent treatment, and they decide it's time for bed. And so the guy has a flight the next morning, and he knows that he's not an early riser, but he knows that she is. And so the guy decides, you know, I need to communicate with my wife, but I'm not going to do so by mouth. Instead, I'll get a pen, and I'll get a sticky note out, and I'll write her a note. And so he gets a pen and a sticky note out, and he writes a note that says, please wake me up at 5 a.m. so I can catch my flight. And he places that note by her toothbrush and goes on to bed. Well, the next morning he wakes up and the sun is beaming in through the curtains. He looks over at his alarm clock and it is 7 a.m. And he shoots out of bed and he sees a note right by the alarm clock that says this, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) In every relationship that we live in, whether it's spouse, whether it's coworker, whether it's friend, in every relationship, here's a verse that I think all of us need to memorize. It's this, Psalm 141, verse three. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. In other words, this right here needs to be a zipper. That God, would you zip this up when I want to pipe off? Or God, would you open it up when I have the urge to stay silent? About a week and a half ago, I was at a conference in Vegas. It was a pastor's conference in Vegas. Pastor had gone wild, right? And so um, I, I got early. I got there early ahead of our team that was going out there as well. And so something I like to do when I have never been in a place, I love to take public transportation because I love to kind of fully understand all of the culture. I mean, it's one thing to Uber and be there in five minutes. Another thing to take a bus for two and a half hours. I just want to take a bus, right? I just want to see the culture. I wanted to see the, the vegans in Vegas. And so I got on a bus, and as I was riding this bus, it was, about a, it was about a two-hour ride with a few transfer stops on the way. And as I'm riding this bus, I'm kind of listening to the conversations around me to see what's going on culture-wise. And this mom and this teenager, 13 to 17, not really sure of his age, got on the bus. And I could tell the mom was very angry because the mom kept saying how angry she was. And she was angry at her son because her son was at an electronics store and her son was shoplifting headphones. And she had to leave work early to ride a bus to go and bail him out of loss prevention out of this electronics store. And so I got to, uh, the opportunity, that wonderful privilege, of listening to her conversation with him. He didn't say much, but her conversation with him about how horrible of a human being he was, how terrible he was, how he would have the audacity to do this, and how, how shameful she was because of the actions that he made. And I heard words after words after words that I can't say from this stage of her explaining to her son how pitiful and disgusting and dumb he was. In church, it took everything inside of me. It took everything inside of me not to go, hey, um, can you stop? One, I didn't want to get beat up. She's tough. <laughs> but two, I, I didn't know him, and so it was really hard for me. But it took everything inside of me not to go, will you please stop and speak words of encouragement over him? See the good in him in the midst of this? Yes, this is bad, but speak good in the midst of him. So many times, parents, don't we do that? Where we have the urge to, to yell things or say things that maybe we heard as kids. You'll never regret a word said after quiet thought. You never will. And this goes for every relationship. Not just spouse relationship, not just kid relationship, boss relationship. Every relationship that you find yourself in, you'll never regret a word said after quiet thought. Number two, build up, not tear down. Build up, not tear down. 
We kind of hit on that in the first one, but let's continue this. Words are powerful. We all know this, right? Scripture tells us that tongue has the power of life and death. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at some of the words that come out of my mouth. In fact, I'm so amazed at it that the past year and a half, I've really kind of taken on this idea of encouragement, of affirmation. I want to be able to affirm the people that I work with. I want to be able to affirm my family. I want to be able to affirm those that I come in contact with on a daily basis. And it's so easy for me, you have to understand, it's so easy for me to, to tear people down rather than it is to build them up. It just, it's my love language. It's something about me. I, I just can't do that. And I love sarcasm, and so that doesn't help. But what happens a lot of times is, is I'll have sarcasm with some, some friends around here, and we'll be sarcastic all day together, and we'll be making fun of each other and ribbing on each other, and then I'll go home, and I'll take that same sarcastic attitude into my house, and then I walk in, and two minutes in, I'm going, why is everyone crying, <laughs> right? <laughs> we need to build each other up, not tear down. I heard about another couple. They were on a trip together, and they were giving each other the silent treatment. And the guy was driving along, and he saw a farm over here, and there was cows and chickens and pigs and horses. He looked over at his wife and he said, relatives of yours? She said, yes, in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> Scripture speaks about this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit from those who listen. Be helpful. Build each other up. Guys, for us to look at our wives and actually mean it when we say to our wives, I love the way that you take care of us. I love that you're always looking out for us. Ladies, for you to look at your husband and say, I love the way that you provide for us. For us to look at our kids and say, I love that you're becoming a godly man or a godly woman. I love that you're becoming that. For us to look at our coworkers and say, I love the leadership that you're providing in this. For us to look at our friends and say, I love that you're focusing on God and all of that you're doing in your life. For us to actually look and speak words of affirmation to one another, to build one another up. It's one thing for us to see it. It's another thing for us to actually speak it and do it. Let me say this, if you volunteer here at VRL and are kid men or are student men, can I just say thank you? Can I just say thank you? It's one thing for me at night when I'm saying my bedtime prayers to my daughter and my son and my other daughter, it's one thing for us to, to say, hey, I'm loving that you're becoming a, a godly woman of God. I love that you're becoming a godly man of God. I love that you're really focused in on who Jesus is. It's another thing when our volunteers start doing it. See, when I come home on Sundays and my, my daughter or my son will tell me what their uh, teacher told them, what their kidman teacher told them about how they're becoming something. And I see the glow in their eyes. I realize that it's not just what I speak, it's what you speak as well. So from the bottom of my heart, can I just say thank you to those of you who serve in our kidmen and our student ministry here. Seriously, thank you so much. Thank you. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So when you begin playing the mind game and you begin trying to read between the lines, when you have the sender and the receiver and there's the dot, dot, dot of what is in the midst of all of this, instead of focusing on underneath and undercurrent and all of that stuff, what if instead we actually focused on, is there anything true about this person? admirable, lovely, and then zero in on that. What I've found when I start playing the mind game, when I start trying to read between the lines or read under the surface, what I've found in the midst of that is if I actually focus on the good in them, it's so much easier for me to believe the best about them. I'm going to focus on the good. 
And if there's a moment where I go, you know what? There's really no good about this person. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's an ex-spouse, and you look at it and you go, man, there is no good about that person. How can I focus on the good? That's where you're wrong. Because Jesus died for all, and if Jesus found a redeemable quality in them, so can we. See, Satan lies to us and says there's no good in them, but Jesus said, no, 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 I died for them. There's good in them, there's good in all. Number three, express affection, not opposition. Express affection, not opposition. And this is the part where the guy's in the room because we're talking about relationships and all relationships, and so not just spouse relationships. Some of the guys are like, affection? Hmm, how's HR going to feel about that? Let, let's, okay. Do you know who the most affectionate person God created was? It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your mom. It's definitely not a cat. The most affectionate person thing God created is actually a dog. A dog. Can I get an amen on that? A dog. Yeah, yeah. Affectionate, right? If you don't believe me, give you this test, okay? And you, you can learn this at church, okay? I want you to take your spouse or your friend and your dog. And I want you to lock them both in the trunk of your car for an hour. Okay? Someone's going to ask you tomorrow what you learned in church. This is the only thing you're going to remember. Okay? Take your friend or your spouse, stick them in your trunk with the dog, lock it, shut it. Okay? An hour later, you're going to open up the trunk. Only one of them is going to be happy to see you. That's affection. Affection is actually this, okay? Affection is this. It's a look, it's a word, and it's a touch. It goes so far to express affection, to actually look at someone and to talk with them and to actually make eye contact with them. That expresses affection so much. In fact, let me give you a little insider tip here, insider trading right here. Boom, here we go. Four words that will change every relationship. And then what happened? Let me play it out for you. My wife, she likes to tell stories. My wife is not a quick storyteller at all. A lot of times, I don't necessarily appreciate said story, but I've learned these four words, awesome. And then what happened? So I went to Trader Joe's, and I couldn't find the almonds. And then what happened? Well, then I ran into Susan. You remember Susan? Susan's so nice. And then what happened? Well, we looked for the almonds together. And then what happened? Then we ran into Joe. You remember Joe? Joe's a crowd. And then what happened? I'm telling you right now. Those four words, and then what happened? Huge in every relationship. Every relationship. Here's why they're huge, okay? Not, not, so here's, I know, I know the tendency of the 930 crowd, okay? I know the tendency. You're going to get in the car, your spouse is going to tell you a story, your friend's going to start telling you a story, and you go, and then what happened? I know that, okay? <laughs> 930. Here's why this is important. Because it actually says, I care about you. I care enough to listen. I care enough to not just turn the TV down, but to actually listen and to get involved in the story. You're saying whatever you're saying actually matters to me. That is true affection. Number four, last one. It's actually the first one. Get God involved. Get God involved in every relationship. The moment that you start playing this mind game out, we've got to begin to pray to God and say, God, would you get involved in this? See, without getting God involved, we're just swimming upstream. We're just rowing upstream. We've got to get God involved in all of our relationships. Because here's the reason why. We're all so different. And because we're different, we have conflict. And because we're different, we begin to read between the surface. We begin to read below the lines. And we begin to then say, God, would you change them? God, would you, would you change their perspective? 
God, I'm right and they're wrong. And so God, would you change them? We've got it all backwards. I told you earlier, I want you to be selfish. Here we go. Romans 12, verse two, reading it right back to you. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world because copy, to copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, you know what we're saying? We're saying God changed them. But rather, let God transform, what's that word? You into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's so easy for us in the midst of our conflict to say, God, would you change them? Would you change their perspective? God, would you change all that they think? Because God, I'm obviously right in this. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You got it all backwards. Don't copy the customs and behaviors. Don't play the change game. Don't play the blame game. Don't play the comparison game. Don't play the mind game. Instead, ask God to change you. So here's your takeaway. Here's your takeaway for the week. This week, the moment that you want to play the blame game, the moment you want to play the change game, the moment you want to play the comparison game, or the moment you want to play the mind game, here is your takeaway. Instead, pray, God, change me. Mm, but that's going to be so hard. No, it's not. Because I told you earlier, you can be selfish. So this week, pray for yourself. Every single time you get into conflict, every single time you want to read between the lines, every single time you don't fully understand what's going on, every single time go to God and say, God, would you change me? That's seven days. For the next seven days, make that be your prayer. Before your feet hit the ground in the morning, just say, God, would you change me? Would you transform me? God, would you change my thinking? Seven days. You say, well, Ryan, what, what do I do on the eighth day? So glad you asked. Come back next week and you'll find out. Next week, we're jumping into a brand new series called Rooted. And it's a series that as you begin to pray, God, would you change me? You're going to find out just how much and how willing he is able to change you. And so I want to invite you back to that. That starts next week. Going to be an incredible, incredible series for us to begin to allow God to put roots inside our life that we can be changed because of who he is. Has it been a good day? I hope it's been a good day for you. But for somebody in this room and maybe a few people in this room, it can get a lot better. See, you saw a baptism earlier. You saw someone give their life to Jesus earlier. And maybe you're here today and you're going, God, would you change me from the inside out? Would you change me by giving me an opportunity to accept you as my Lord and Savior? So as we conclude the service today, Scott's gonna be right over here by the cross and he would love to talk with you about what it means. Maybe you're here and you just need some prayer today. I wanna invite you to the cross as we close today to find out who Jesus is and to pray with him today. Pray with Scott today. Would you stand? I wanna pray us out here today. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity we have today to be focused on you and you alone by changing us from the inside out. And so God, allow us to be selfish this week to pray that you would change us. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.